Welcome to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. This is Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today we are live. And Cindy, it's a little complicated today. <laughs> little little tech difficulty there, Tony? Yeah, I'm not talking about complicated dishes. I'm talking about you know, complications. Because we're both so technical tech savvy. Nature. Yeah. yeah we, we, we're such good computer people. Really, what we're good at is food and wine. So maybe that's what we should talk about instead. Yeah. No, no, com- no computers. Just give me a knife or uh, exactly a pan, some great <laughs> food. And yeah. that's all so, we need. Anyway, I was excited about today's program. One, because we love hearing from listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can reach us 410 662 8780. Or email us foremanwolf at wipr.org. Um, but it, it's that moment, it's that weird moment of the seasonal change where like I, I go to market and I see the last watermelons, really bright red Roma tomatoes, uh, a corn squash, the hundred pound pumpkins. Right, right. <laughs> like it's it's everything is the the, the same moments. For a very short time, you can do yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff in the kitchen. The seasons are colliding, and one is about to end pretty quickly. Well, now, at least keep, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're going to have some cool weather soon. Keep watching the front. Yeah, that's. I'll I'll hang on to this as long as I can hang on to this because you know me. I'll take the tomatoes as long as I can take them. So, what's the number one thing from the summer you're going to miss? Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. See? Of course. We all feel the same way. Everybody loves tomatoes. All the guests get excited when they know heirlooms are coming in. I mean, we, I don't know. We just, we have so many tomato-based products that we serve, uh, particularly in my kitchen. Um, you know, the influences of Marcelo Vasquez, the chef that I worked with in, in South Carolina um, from Argentina with chimichurri and a lot of the, the, the Latin American cooking with salsa verde and all just all kinds of cold salsas that utilize tomato product. Um, and, you know, we like a we like slabs of tomato on a plate with a great extra virgin olive oil and fresh herbs and maybe a beautiful piece of cheese. And it's just um, it's just an important part of our cooking. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to miss that. Um, and I'll also miss, I'll really miss getting, you know, really beautiful local fresh herbs um, and things out of my own garden. Obviously, um, I grow a lot of things and um and uh, I, I'm already looking forward to what my changes in my garden are going to be for next year. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I also love this time of year that's coming up. So uh, I'm excited to see the, the the squash and the pumpkins and things coming in. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the herbs, the greens, the flowers, they're definitely anything that is a little more delicate that's about to disappear completely. I mean, you can you can tell from the, the tomatoes that are still here, like the, the aromas, the skins are a little thicker. I mean, you you can feel the world turning, right? Uh, with with the product that's coming. I tell you what's amazing. It, every year is a little bit different. You know, every growing season is different. Every vintage and wine is different. So it only follows that a different agricultural product is going to have a different character every year. The eggplants are spectacular here at the end. That mm-hmm. is not what always happens. 
they're a little bit denser. Um, they're, they're definitely the bitter thing that everyone sort of freaks out about is not the same. They're less spongy than they often are. And uh, you can do all kinds of stuff. If you want an excuse to, to, uh, you know, to use those last tomatoes really well and uh, to make a, a proper eggplant parmigiana with uh, fresh tomatoes and the beautiful eggplant and the last local garlic, you know, that, that now, now is the time for sure that there's spectacular basil still available, just, you know, out and around and in the markets as well. Mm-hmm. But people, and if, if, if you, if, a listener, if you're about to miss something from summer, if there's something you're going to try to drag it into the fall, if there's something you're trying to get enough of made, like we're trying to get the last of tomato sauce made to get our little girls through the winter time. Um, you, you let us know what, what you think you're going to miss, 410-662-8780, and also what you are looking forward to. Um, and I, I don't know, um, how many different pumpkin spice recipes do you want to hear from listeners? <laughs> as many as they want to share. I'm always... Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm always happy to just hear from our listeners. I like to hear their stories and uh, love to answer questions if I possibly can. And, um, yeah, I just like to hear from folks. But, um, you know, it's funny. I like to carve a pumpkin a lot more than I actually really like to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not It's not one of my favorite products. I, I love, you know, all the butternut squash and spaghetti squash and all of those things. But um, pumpkins are... I've never really loved pumpkin flavor that much, so that's not my well, bag. Mm-hmm. See, the, the the thing is, that the ones that look cute, the ones that are the ubiquitous uh, Halloween pumpkins, you know, the, mm-hmm. those jack-o'-lanterns, they're not great for cooking. No, But not. there are pumpkins that are excellent for cooking. You just don't sure. always run into them. Sure. You know, the, the easiest, most available cheat for that, what, the, what you want the flavor to be is butternut squash, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But fairy tale pumpkins can have fantastic flavor. Uh, rouge pumpkins that kind of look uh, yeah, uh, like good. a like like a yeah. cartoony squashed pumpkin. Mm-hmm. I think those are the, those are the sweetest for uh, sure. Yeah. I think those are my favorite out of all of them. The rouge. That Mario years ago, uh, we started getting uh, for one of the restaurants these banana banana squash uh, banana pumpkin. I, oh yeah. What yeah. remember that like fifty pound. Uh, looks like a giant watermelon almost, you know, kind of kind of green, kind of yellow. Um, but oh my goodness, the meat that, that's Delicious. in that is so sweet. Mm-hmm. If we if we make uh, pumpkin risotto, um, we always make it with uh, some of that, you know, just scoop that out, roast it with uh, with just garlic and salt and uh, and a little olive oil, cool it well, you know. Get rid of the stringy business. Get it through a sieve, and uh, and and use all of that puree that that ends up on the other side of that, without the stringy business. As as you know, the 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 pumpkin that you add to the risotto, and that's just terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I mean, I use butternut squash in my risotto, and I, I love that too. I I really like a, a oh, yeah. very small dice of that in there with some andouille sausage and. That's just so de- delicious. Um, you know, just to also another thought about pumpkins. Um, I think it was maybe five or six years ago uh, to my sister and, and I's horror found out that the pumpkin pie that we grew up with 
was not pumpkin pie. And, and we had no idea. Mom always called it pumpkin pie. And then we realized, I think Julia must have asked mom for her recipe for the pie for Thanksgiving. And mom was like, yeah, and then, you know, uh, yellow squash and blah, blah, blah. And Julia was like, yellow squash? She was like, yellow yeah. Yellow squash? Yeah, that's how she makes her pumpkin pie. I never knew that. And I'm like, wait, why? I don't understand. Why do you, <laughs> what, what? Uh, and that's why apparently my grandmother made it too. So it, I don't know if that's a, uh, you know, a, a, an old fashioned Pennsylvania Dutch thing or what, but yeah. Um, so our pumpkin pie was n- never really pumpkin pie. It was quite tasty. Um, so apparently you can make pie from yellow squash if you want to try it sometime. <laughs> oh my God. My dad, he has this enthusiasm for growing yellow crookneck squash. Ooh. And I started it has come rolling into the summertime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's see. We got a couple of emails from listeners. Ronnie in Baltimore at the 32nd Street Waverly Market yesterday. I found a purveyor from Eastern Shore who had coolers full of great looking beans. Mm. I bought three pounds of speckled butter beans. Nice. I cooked them in the stovetop for about an hour in chicken stock with some carrots and sauteed onion and bacon. Mm. I added a bit of cayenne and paprika for some flavor dimension. I still have two pounds of beans left, and I'm wondering. If you have a way to punch that recipe up or a completely different recipe, I can tack off for the beautiful speckled butter beans. Mm. I, I love I love those so much. Um, we, we served them at one point with uh, peaches, and which aren't in season obviously now, but with peaches and uh, lobster. And I really like the butter beans um, also with obviously with pork. Like if you're going to braise pork and add the butter beans at the end, or, uh, or you, maybe you're grilling out because the weather's nice, um, you know, getting some nice smoke into a, a pork chop or some uh, pork tenderloin, whatever you'd like to serve and, and butter beans with that. But I mean, they're so good on their own, but I'm with him in a, on his first recipe. I like to cook them with uh, bacon or andouille sausage or tasso ham or uh, something like that. Um, I, I think the spice, uh, I, I tend to not put spices in with mine. I, I like I like a little pork product, but maybe end it there. Um, and they're so good the way they are. Like I would, n- I would not want to puree them and they're so hard to find and sort of just celebrate those. Uh, maybe even with some shrimp or just lightly sauteed shrimp and butter and have your butter beans. There's, they go so well with so many different things. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I Almost any kind of beans, but especially these sort of sweet starchy ones. And speckled butter beans are kind of big and broad. They're sort of like giant freckled lima beans. Um, they're, just, they're just, they're not quite as, as nutty and, and starchy as those. Um, I, I would like them just in a very simple, like vegetable broth, a vegetable mushroom broth. Um, lots of fresh herbs. Grill a beautiful piece of fish. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or or sear like that. There's been really nice fluke in this in this area, mm-hmm. uh, this whole warm weather season. Is that crispy pieces of that just you know fried in the pan and butter and right. and uh, later the beans and a little bit of that broth would be superb. Right, and one of my other favorite things is the succotash we make at Thanksgiving for service mm. every year, which is roasted sweet corn and butter beans and a very small dice of zucchini. And uh, and I actually add a little a uh, little bit of cucumber to that mixture, and and that just with butter and salt is so good. I could eat a whole bowl of that right now. But yeah, that's sort of an uh, unusual succotash. succotash. Is always great. Mm-hmm. Always great. Beans. That's a real find to get those. Yeah, one uh, one other uh, quick email from a listener, and you can join us via email foremanwolf at wipr.org. 
or via telephone, 410-662-8780. This is from Matt. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Cindy mentioned chestnut soup. Mm. Can she tell us about the recipe or point us to a favorite? Mm. I haven't made a lot of soup. Uh, That's one. Two, where can I find chestnuts? Okay, right. Somebody's backyard. Uh, But no, um, hopefully you can find them at the market, um, either at market or at a grocery. uh, This this is the time when farmers have them. Right, right, exactly. Um, Yeah, my my farm that I used to have was at a very long lane up to my house, and uh, it was lined with chestnut trees. And I drove by there the other day, and they had not started to fall yet. Not that I was going to go over there and steal any of them or anything, but oh you know, no, yeah. <laughs> you would never do that. Good there, Lord. you know, all out in that whole. I, I used to have a farm out in Sparks, and um, all that whole area out there, there are chestnut trees all over the place. I've even seen like uh, blackberry bushes and things like that over by the the mall at Hunt Valley. I'm like along those roads. I'm like, oh my gosh, um, but yeah, there are chestnut trees out there. Anyway, to make chestnut soup, the one the biggest thing you have to realize about it, especially if you're not used to making soup is that chestnuts have high starch content and they will thicken up like crazy. So you can, and they're also intensely flavored. So you don't need a whole lot of them to make, you know, if you're making soup for four people, you know, probably a cup of meat is going to be enough. Um, Meat meaning, you know, just the chestnut. And what you you do is, I, I like the flavor of the chestnuts. And one of the things that's very, very pretty with chestnuts is either a beautiful uh, sherry or Madeira. Uh, I like boil Madeira in my chestnut soup or Amontillado sherry in my chestnut soup, not both, one or the other. And I also love cognac in chestnut soup. And and that may actually be my favorite. Um, but I just gently saute onions and shallot and butter. So let's just say you're going to do soup for four people. Um, I never measure anything, but I'm going to say about two small onions uh, sauteed in butter. And I would add a little bit of shallot to that. So let's just say four shallots. And, you know, you can do just like a rough, uh, large dice of that. You're going to puree the soup so you're not, you know, taking a lot of time to do some beautiful knife cut. But you do want them to be consistent in size. So a large dice. Gently saute the onion onion and shallot and butter. And then add, um, I'd say, one cup of chicken stock. And if you don't want the chicken stock, you don't have to have it. But you're going to have to add water to the soup then because you have to. I add cream. And the cream and the chestnut will just like seize up in a blender. That's how starchy chestnuts are. And when I say seize up, I have a a very high performance blender that I use. And um, it will puree something into absolute oblivion, which is amazing. And, um, and, and I have made that soup I probably the first, first, first time I made it. And literally I'm like, okay, I really, uh, that is thick, super fast. So, um, a cup of, a cup of chicken stock and let's say three cups of cream, um, salt and pepper. And I don't add any other spices. Now you could, if you love it or something, add a tiny bit of nutmeg, a tiny bit of cinnamon, um, the oh oh and another way I have sent out the soup is with apple cider oh I forgot about that gosh it's been a while since I made that soup um, that is a real especially if you don't want the chicken stock um, the apple cider will add a beautiful tone to the soup obviously and it will quickly thin it out for you so 
you don't even have to cook the apple cider. You can just have the apple cider ready to go and make sure you shake it up um, um, and just add it to this to the blender as you are pureeing the soup. And it, it really will add a pretty ton to it. Um, and that's the other thing. You could actually add apples to the soup as well if you because obviously they're all here together now or pears. Um, I love the idea of that. Or you could garnish it with a like a brunoise, the smallest of dice of apple and pear. And I've done that where I've cooked those in apple cider with a little bit of cinnamon and um, just put that on top of the soup. Oh, gosh, that's so pretty. So that's it. You know, you, you saute the onion and shallot and butter until it's tender, add the liquid, and then you add the chestnuts, cook them until they're tender, and then you puree and you make your decision. Am I going to add apple cider? Am I going to add a little bit of fresh fruit to this? And um, yeah, it's a beautiful soup. Good luck. I hope it goes well. All right, making me hungry now. You're going to have to go steal those chestnuts. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, 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 you can reach us, uh, join the conversation, tell us what it is you're going to miss from summer, what you're excited to cook for fall. Uh, it's 410-662-8780. Uh, email us if you like, foremanwolf at wypr.org. And Cindy, remind me about acorn squash when we come back on Formidable Farm Food Wine. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. <laughs> and we're live today. Yeah. It's just you're just realizing who you are. Huh? No, I'm reading about squashes <laughs> during the break. I didn't realize they were in the fruit family. I'm like, what? Good. Of course they are. They're very fruit. Who knew that? Wait, so, well, probably some of the listeners. They can reach us 410-662-8780. We're talking about the things we're gonna miss here from the very end of summer food and the autumn dishes that we're coming up with. And uh, don't let me forget the acorn squash thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's go to a uh, caller, Mia in Nottingham. Mia, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. How are y'all? Good. Hi, Mia. All right. Hi. So my question uh, kind of, I don't know. When autumn hits, it's I'm 26. It's colloquially known as the beginning of cuffing season, which is where maybe your summer romances have kind of bloomed into something. You're in this like intermediary stage, like, what are we? And that's kind of to me where I start bringing out my cooking. Like I have a great cookie recipe. I have great pantry cooking recipes, but now I'm at this point where I kind of want to impress the guy I'm talking to. I'm a vegetarian and I know all my vegetables and all my meat replacements, but he definitely eats meat and and I'm fine cooking meat for him. So I guess my question is what's something that, you know, can subtly wow him as far as a dish or a meal idea. Should I kind of last minute get together with him and need to pull something out? That's fantastic. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one, you don't have to cook meat in order to, you know, that this is this is going to be strange coming from the guy in the conversation. You don't have to compromise yourself in order to serve the male's purposes. Um, you can make a great risotto if you like. Yeah, that's my um, mushroom risotto. You know, like, so good. <laughs> like, but 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 there's so many interesting things that can go in there right now. There are a million different kinds of squash you can roast. Uh, there there are the last eggplants. There are the the last tomatoes. Uh, that are going on the first beans 
there are all kinds of garnishes you can make for risottos with a lot of cherry tomatoes and maybe uh, pickled cranberry beans or something like that. You you can have lots of fun with that. Oh, that sounds but, so good. But that, that's you know, it, literally you can just make six or seven different pieces of mise en place and play. And 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 just but choose your like we were talking about the different kinds of pumpkins. Fairy tale pumpkin will make a great risotto. Mm, thank you. You know, you can get really nice fresh sage locally, fry sage as a garnish, so on and so on. That's but I very, know Cindy's got that's, good I was going to say that's all very nice, Tony, but I think she should make a meat dish. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, for, oh. for, okay, so as a professional chef, I know that I have taught a lot of people how to cook. And since you're a vegetarian, that means you probably don't know how to cook meat. So this is probably not the time to try and teach yourself how to cook something to the proper temperature. That's one of the biggest challenges cooks have, uh, particularly during service, during a busy service and cooking multiple pieces of meat. Um, is getting it to the exact right temperature prior to plate up. Um, and so I think you should braise something, which also alleviates your whole stress of, you know, all you have to do with a braised dish is heat it up. Um, so when, yeah. when you're on your date, um, it just takes away the pressure. Uh, you can make it the day before. And um, so and it, it will just be uh, a better the next day. Now, don't keep it any longer than that. Um, but that's what I would suggest. I think uh, braised beef short rib is one of the best things you can braise. It has bone in it, which creates texture and flavor, and it has a good amount of fat in it, which also brings flavor to the dish and also makes your sauce excellent. So, and you don't have to worry, you're going to cook it all the way through, so you don't have to have that challenge of, oh, I need to get the perfect medium rare, or the fact that you may not know how he likes to eat, or she, I guess. Am I assuming it's a man? Yeah. Um, uh, yes, uh, it's a man. <laughs> it's a man. Okay. Um, that that he how he likes to eat his food. Um, you know, to what temperature? Maybe he's a well done guy. Maybe he's a rare guy. Who knows? So. Oh, I hope um, he's a well done guy. It's done. <laughs> oh, interesting from a vegetarian standpoint. I love you. All right. Don't so, <laughs> All right. So so in order to, I'm just going to tell you very quickly. In order to brace that short rib, you're going to have to come up with some stock. Um, hopefully you can get it somewhere through, uh, um, uh, you know, one of the online places, or you can make your own chicken stock and look that up and learn how to make it, which is nothing wrong with that. That's good to have in the freezer. It's good to have in your refrigerator, whatever, especially if you're going to be feeding this person more than once. So, um, you know, you, you sear, you get the short ribs, you want to ask for the best quality short rib. Um, and, um, you know, w really one 16 ounce short rib is enough for one person to eat. So maybe just get two. And, um, you know, because I can't imagine cooking just one, quite frankly, and have two, and maybe you can send him home with one. Um, or he has a big appetite and he'll eat two, but uh, you sear them in a hot pan. And this is the most dangerous part of your, your experience because there's moisture and meat and it will splatter. So just be conscious of that. You get a, a heavy pan, a heavy saute pan on, which is a, a wide flat bottom pan. That's the right size for the short rib. You get the pan hot, then you add a neutral oil like corn or canola oil. Uh, just enough to coat the bottom of the pan and then pat the short rib dry with a paper towel so it doesn't have any extra moisture on it. Um, and uh, you don't have to flour it or anything. It's not necessary. Just pat it with a paper towel and go into that hot pan, get it nice and brown on the first side, turn it over, get it nice and brown on the second side. And you should have ready to go uh, a large dice of carrot, onion, and celery, a little bit of red wine if, if the person enjoys alcohol, and your stock. Uh, black peppercorn, bay leaf, and I prefer fresh rosemary, or you could use dried thyme and very little of that. Uh, for rosemary, I would use one small stem of rosemary, actually probably half a stem for that short amount of meat. 
and a little tomato paste, like a tablespoon of tomato paste. So once you've seared the meat, um, take it out of the pan, knock that fat out, put some fresh fat in, add the mirepoix, carrot, celery, and onion, brown it just a little bit. Deglaze, at, deglazing is the action of adding li- any liquid to a pan. Deglaze with red wine, maybe half a cup, three quarters of a cup. Um, and then immediately add uh, your uh, stock and then add your aromatics, the bay leaf, peppercorn, rosemary, whatever you're using. Do not add salt. Do not salt the meat. Yeah, you're no not salt. doing that. Yeah, got you're going to check that at the end. All right. And I then, take anything away. No salt. Got it. Thank you so right. much, y'all. You bet. Excuse me. Bye. Okay. Cindy, she's making the result. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. So you said, did you say butternut squash or acorn? Oh, you said acorn squash. Acorn that's, squash. That's next on our list of what we're going to be doing. No, just, I, just a soup that I think I probably made 10 years ago. It oh, was so fabulous. You, it's not completely you want to talk about, about acorn squash. Go ahead, yeah, Tony. Let's hear no, it. Let's hear just, it. <laughs> I, I've had acorn squash a bunch of times and it was never great. Oh. It never had super flavor. Okay. It was always a little bit shrill and, and, and compared to some of the, you know, to some of the others. Like shrill. But, butternut or honey knot or fairy tale pumpkins. squash or is like shrill. That. <laughs> exactly. No one All likes right. a shrill squash. So what's the su- successful recipe? Um, salt, olive oil, sage. Uh, cut the acorn squash open. Get rid of those seeds. Uh, roast them on a pan until they collapse, right? You scoop out the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, go into the blender. Add, have sweat a few slices of Granny Smith apple and add enough apple and enough sweated garlic that went in with that apple to that acorn squash. A uh, little bit of stock and and, uh, and cream, reduce it, you're done. Fried sage leaves to finish it. Mm-hmm. And good. it just ends up being a really beautifully balanced, light, you know, and it, when I say cream, it's just like a little bit stock is just a little bit it ends up it's like the apple regulates the moisture and the uh, the consistency sort of regulates itself on on the texture on that and that's the one thing i kind of didn't you don't realize when different kinds of squash and something there there's always some level of stringiness right right, right. Uh, acorns are, are really easy to manipulate that way well and that's the other thing you know when you start talking about using yellow squash um such a high water content so that's the other thing, you know. If you use butternut squash, it's like dense, and there's isn't oh, yeah. you know. So it's 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 really you know like I make zucchini soup. Um, I like to serve it for a d'oeuvre, and that soup. I mean, I hardly have to add any liquid when oh, I make it's that. Light, yeah, 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 and it's so nice because you know it's all about. And then you have you have you always want the intensity of the flavor of the main ingredient, you want it to sing. You want it to be about that. If you're saying you're making zucchini soup, it should taste like zucchini. And um, when you have something with a high water content, um, you, you have to be careful. H- how do you make that that product really taste like itself? And um, so within that, in that situation, <clears throat> either you work a little bit of that water content out, let it evaporate out as steam or... Or, um, you know, you just are very careful with the amount of liquid you add when you're making a soup like that. And um, and maybe you're adding something that actually will help to thicken it. But, I mean, you could add a, a little bit of a, a little bit of potato or something. You don't have to, but you could. I, I like my zucchini soup to be light. Um, yeah, no, that's that. that yeah. It's it's always just sort of like 
uh, charming and and warm and velvety and mm-hmm. and easy. That, yeah, yeah, and I like that. That I don't I don't add any cream to it, so it's it's really pretty healthy, and it it just feels bright and fresh. And I add a little Reggiano to it at the end when I puree it, and. Uh, those two things just love each other so much, you know the zucchini and the and the Reggiano, of course. So, it's, well, the salt uh, doesn't hurt. No, no, salt doesn't hurt anything. I'm really into radishes right now too, which are, <laughs> I know, that's, you know, that's, you know very, that's very bitter of you. Oh well, yes, mm-hmm. um, it, but you know, my dad always, my dad used to eat a lot. I guess it's you know from growing up during the Great Depression, he, you know, they always had a garden out back. Um, his his mother always had a garden and. Um, and, you know, he used to eat raw. It used to freak me out when I was a little girl. He would eat raw onions with salt, spring onions with salt and just eat them. I, I could never understand. I hated onions when I was a child anyway, so especially raw ones. And um, and he would often eat radishes, just stand in the kitchen at the kitchen sink and eat radishes with salt on them. <laughs> and uh, I yeah. started doing that recently because the radishes are so good right now. Um, so, yeah, that's a little off the squash and the uh, pumpkin story, but they are they are coming out now. So that's nice. Well, let, let's get to a caller, and you you can join the conversation too. Four ten six six two eight seven eight zero. Let's go to Susan in Columbia. Susan, how are you? Thanks uh, for waiting. Susan, I am fine. Thank you. I, I love the recipe for chestnut soup. I'm going to try that one. Okay. Um, Thank but you. I have about a cup of pomegranate seeds, and I I got the pomegranates in a delivery of you know fresh stuff. And I seeded it right away, and they're going to go bad. I don't have a use for a cup of them. I usually use them for garnish, and I don't have something to garnish with a cup of pomegranate seeds. Any ideas? It's good on a salad. A a nice green salad, arugula and pomegranate are so good together. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, you know, just a – I mean, I I love pomegranate. It is really one of my favorite things. And I think they're – aren't they just so beautiful when you open it up? It's like – it's like – ruby jewels in there and they are so delicious so you could you could juice them you could just gently on very low speed in your blender um juice them and drink it quite frankly because it's really good for you um or you could add that to a if you're making a sauce you could add the fresh pomegranate juice to the sauce at the end but honestly they're so good for you and and if you don't mind just eating them as they are i know they are kind of you know, they have what it's, I don't want to say a seed inside, but you know how they're built. It's a little, you know, uh, yeah. And, and I think that's great. So, uh, uh, pistachios are also good with pomegranate. So a salad of extra virgin olive oil, um, or yogurt. Uh, I, I, my brother-in-law's from Iran. So this is what's coming into my mind right now. Arugula, a little bit of yogurt, uh, pomegranate, and, um, you know, maybe a little bit of crushed pistachio on top. That would make a great salad. Or you could go the extra virgin olive oil way uh, and do the exact same thing. You know, maybe add a little feta. If you're going to do olive oil, maybe it's arugula, feta, olive oil, the pomegranate, um, maybe a little bit of juice from the pomegranate to, to make a vinaigrette. And, um, and Or you could do, instead of if you don't have pistachios, you could use walnuts, crushed walnuts. I would I would toast them a little bit first. Um, and then crush them and add them, but that would just be. And you could add a butter lettuce to that salad to to give it a little tender lettuce or romaine. Um, but yeah, I, uh, pomegranate is just so great in a salad. That sounds great. Thank you. Oh, Those good. Are great good. ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So I want, all I want, I want Susan's pomegranate seeds, and I want them for breakfast. I love. Pomegranate. I want yogurt, usually yeah. pomegranate seeds. Mm-hmm. Is a perfect thing. Good. Yeah. Yum. All right. I think you're not a muesli fan, though. 
Yes, I am. I like muesli. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too I, bad. I, I, yep, yep. <laughs> I do. Let's let's take uh, Howard in Davidsonville. Howard, how are you? Hi, Howard. How are you guys? Good. Good. Hi, everybody. For either. My wife makes butternut squash crab soup, and she has been for about a dozen years, and she, I don't know, some years ago, finally figured out the secret to making it fabulous, and I've we've had it in many, many restaurants, and it just never comes up to snuff. So I'm curious um, if you can figure out the secret. There is no cream in it. It uses standard ingredients, so it is a... Uh, the secret is quote a technique. Hmm. So I'm sorry, you're asking how to make a butternut squash and crab soup. We we no, my wife makes it. Oh, I'm I asking see. what is the what is the secret <laughs> to making it great, fabulous as opposed to good. Ah, I don't know. But I think oh, you're going to have to tell us. How yeah, it. I think you better tell us. <laughs> what right. is it? So she takes well. One quote secret is you must have Maryland crab. And since you cannot buy it except by buying the raw crabs, we buy them, steam them, and pick them. So we have Maryland crab. If you have any other, other crab, you, you throw it away. It's just it's crap. But anyway, if you take half the crab and blend it into the butternut squash soup, and the other half is jumbo lump that goes into the soup. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so therefore you get uh, the, the flavor of the crab throughout every bite of the broth itself. Delicious. Sounds and good. And of course you add some sherry and, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds anyway, good. that is it. All right, Howard. Thanks, Thanks Howard. for the sharing that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I hope Yum. she doesn't kill me. She's not listening. So I said, no, okay. if she doesn't listen, I can do it. Hopefully you're safe. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Howard. Mm-hmm. Howard has very chauvinistic feelings about Marilyn Crabb. <laughs> <laughs> When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, uh, you can reach us, 410-662-8780. We're talking about those things you're going to miss from summer uh, that you want to cook one more time, those things from autumn that you're looking forward to, that you're working on. If you have any secret recipes or or fun games to to stump uh, chefs and you will, please please give us a ring, 410-662-8780. Or email us, formanwolf at wypr.org. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're live today. You can reach us 410-662-8780. Join the conversation about the end of summer cooking, uh, all the fall cooking you're looking forward to doing, what's going on in the markets right now, recipes. Um, And we've got a few emails, Cindy. People can email us, foremanwolf at wipr.org. And this one scares me. (laughs) <laughs> this is from David in Northwest Baltimore. Okay. I just returned from the farmer's market with two kinds of hot peppers. Mm-hmm. One is long with a few turning red. Mm. The other are ovoid and greenish blue. 
They were all gloss. They were all glossy and too nice to pass up. Mm. But I'm not sure what to do with them. Are relishes and salsas the way to go, or are there ways to use them as a centerpiece in dishes? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I don't know what the green blue one is. Do you, Tony? No, I, you, you could, David. You have to look that one up. Yeah, and, that is and, the, playing the chili pepper roulette. I don't know that you want to do that. Mm. You know, with peppers, I mean, you know, you can braise chicken and add peppers during the braising <laughs> process, or pork, or I mean, you know, anything that you like. Um, cooking them that way, but boy, I would taste those things first. Um, I would, I would wash it. You know, or as and as you said, look it up um, for sure. Uh, but salsa verde or salsas uh, are a great way to use peppers. But uh, I mean, if they're ungodly spicy, you can only use a little bit. So, um, yeah. One of the only ways you can manage the heat is the seeds. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, on, on on all chilies, the 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 seeds are the hottest place. That's where the most acidity resides. So, be be aware of that. Yeah. That. But like you. You scare me with the with the chili pepper roulette. <laughs> the other thing too is that obviously you have to be very conscious of of how you handle them. Um, you don't want to get the oil from those uh, or the the juice from those products on your hands, um, or you're going to be very sorry. Uh, I suggest using uh, latex gloves um, and um, also be conscious of the fact that that will also be on your knife blade and on your cutting board or any surface that it comes in contact with. So it's going to affect anything you put. If you don't clean your knife blade after you're done with your pepper, if you don't clean your board after you're done with your peppers, it's going to affect anything that touches it. And especially if it's extremely hot, it's going to have, you know, easily have an effect. So just be conscious of that as well. But good luck. Have fun with that. I mean, that Another, in a positive way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> Here we are. Voice, voice of doom over here on Farmer Doom Walker. on the blue pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> next email, uh, fall markets, apples and pears. I was at the market yesterday and was so excited to see the array of apples and pears. Uh, sure. But I was totally totally stuck by option paralysis. There were so many varietals and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Can we tell? Can you tell me your favorite locally available apples and pears for both eating raw and cooking in some way? Mm. I mean, the, the things that are coming right now uh, like Bartlett's mostly are gone uh, as far as pears. Some Bosque should be showing up. Asian pears should be just at the end of showing up. Um, but Bosque should be there. Uh, apples, Granny Smiths are just hitting right now. Uh, Honeycrisp have been on for a while and we're not at the very best part of it. But Fuji's are just now showing up. Mm. I would say Fuji's are one of the very best places to go. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make tatata or any of the long-cooked uh, apple items that require really firm, firm apples, uh, stamens are just now coming. Oh, that's exciting. And which which are sort of like apple-shaped rocks, but, <laughs> but they have great flavor mm. and great sweetness, and they are like hours in the oven. But oh my goodness, they're amazing. I love tartata. Oh, what a great dessert. Mm, sounds good, stamens. I love honey crisps. I just they're my favorite apple of all time. No and galas. Do we get galas here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also. I like I like galas, but it's a, it's like honey crisp is like gala that went to the gym, you know. <laughs> now we got an email on uh pumpkins and gourds from Heather in Charles Village. 
I was so delighted to see so many colors and shapes of gourds at the market mm -hmm. yesterday, mm -hmm. but I didn't buy any because I thought they were all just for decoration. Can he actually make things with these funny little wart-covered gourds? What can I make? Are they good? Mm. No. <laughs> mm -mm. Not the wart-colored ones. <laughs> no. Not covered ones, no. right? No. Right. There, there, are, there are pumpkins that are pretty good size that have what looks like little peanuts growing on them. Mm -hmm. And those guys can be pretty good if you get them early in the season. Mm. But yeah, you don't you don't want the uh, the ward covered ones. <laughs> That's hmm. a good question and of okay. service to our listenership. And then, um, last one for now, Matt. Uh, I'm looking forward to a tomato soup spice cake with cream cheese icing. What do you think, Sand? Have you had that? No, I've never heard of it. Okay. Yeah, I, Matt, Matt, write us back. Let us know more yeah. about this. Or, or like to hear or about it. Can you even call and elaborate? 410 662 8780. Oh, my. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Every day there's new stuff that happens, and there's <laughs> a new one. There's a new one. Yeah. The... I think I'm going to get some spaghetti squash in. Oh, that's, that's, that's so the, good. That is the really probably my favorite, if I have to pick a figure, favorite. I really, it's just, you know, even just to eat it roasted and, and uh, pulled out and tossed with butter and a little bit of gently cooked garlic and salt and pepper. It's just such a treat. And that's good, you know, talking about his tomato cake. Um, I love uh, a really great tomato sauce with that as oh, well. Yeah. You know, it's just so perfect together. Well, I, I tell you what, to, to sneak veggies in on my girls, sometimes spaghetti at this time of the year is spaghetti and spaghetti squash, pretty equal parts, all pulled out, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Twirl, twirled together. That's you fine. Know, and and uh, instead of it all being cooked in the sauce, it's garnished with the sauce. But That's nice. Yeah, they've, they've, I've gotten away with that pretty well the last couple of years. That's good. We haven't talked and about it's really tasty. We need to talk about wine, Tony. So what kind of oh, it wine is, goes It is with well it? into the afternoon, isn't it? <laughs> well, I didn't say drink wine. I said we haven't talked about it. And what about pumpkin? And, you know, these are unusual tones for, for wine. What what kind of red goes with, you know, some, like, well, let's just say the butternut squash. Uh, sorry, the spaghetti squash with the tomato sauce. What, what are we going to drink with that? Oh, I mean, some it's something from with that. Gosh, uh, Sicilian red from a grape called Norello Mascalese mm -hmm. from the foot of Mount Etna. Uh, it's, it's sort of like Pinot weight, uh, but has a, a almost like haunting dark aroma that reminds you that it's grown a volcano and a super charming bright red fruit, mm -hmm. um, but it has enough acid to handle the tomato. Um, that, that does great. I mean, just sort of general autumn flavors. Uh, champagne. As always, right? Nice. But but Blanc de Noir champagne, so champagne made from the red grapes, mm -hmm. Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier, like Gona Midville is a great example, and their wine is superb. Yeah. Uh, whites from Alsace, you know, from from uh, like Dürer or Bern or Boxler or Sipmac or Chauvet or Gassman. Uh, Gassman's finally in the market the first time in probably 10, 12 years, wow. and his stuff is really textbook and. Very fairly priced and will age well. Um, I mean, this time of the year, reds from Piemonte in a heartbeat. 
Okay. Um, some of the braised things that end up kind of running a little bit sweet, you know, mm -hmm. uh, th those are things that it's a good excuse to go find red Zinfandel for certain or West Coast Syrah. Um, you're in the Beaujolais season, not just Nouveau in November, but some of the crews are exactly what you want right now. All the different like, uh, like Cocovan, things like that. I mean, you know, that's some of the, some of the crew Beaujolais from Charmette or Foyard or Boulogne or Chateau Tivan can be great. Tivan. I just found this little Portuguese wine that really pleased me with the weather change. It's not a big piece of money. It's from Alentejo, and, or Alentejo, I should say, as is Portugal. And um, the, the uh, bottling name is Fita, F-I-T-A, the Fita Preta, uh, F-I-T-I-P-R-E-T-A. And it's a, it's a blend, and it's a pretty uniquely Portuguese blend. One of the grapes in there is Alicante Boucher in a large percentage. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has a like big spicy personality, but the wine is more medium than full, and it's definitely like a burger, chili, um, variety of of foods. Frankly, like a football watching party kind of a right, a, a, a kind of a red wine, not too heavy but plenty of flavor and not shy. Um, but that that strikes me. And uh, what else? Rum Valley wine, something you would love. Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, of course, Chateau de Pape, but there's a producer of Vaquera uh, in the Rhone, um, uh, La Robine, R-O-U-B-I-N-E. Uh, their 2018 is superb and is not a big piece of money and will age too. That's for sure. Good. You know, you just said the word chili. How about what's your quickly, I know, uh, a chili recipe. How do you like to make it? I mean, it's an excuse to use something flavorful and tough, right? I mean, that's whether it's like yeah. venison, bison, and you know that that that's kind of fun. I had a lamb chili once that I thought was great, yes. and that was strong flavors. But man, that was great, mm -hmm. um, and a little spicy with with you know chipotles in there, and uh, and a little bit of cocoa as well. That uh, we, we're we're out of time. I'm gonna have to go make it. Black beans, come on, yeah. well, come on, Cindy. Well, there's a lot of choices out there, Tony. Yeah, <laughs> okay. not for, right. not for the right. chili I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you can buy ground well, lamb too, you know, to make something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so that's nice. Totally work. Mm -hmm. It just it has that fat. You can brown it itself. You know, that's that's what you want. Okay. Um, we're out of time. If mm -hmm. people want to download this program or any of the others and listen on a podcast, go to the WIPR website, WIPR.org. Look for the Foreman Wolf page. And there's a full menu of goodies there. If you want to email us, it's foremanwolf for wypr.org. Thanks today for the emails. Uh, if you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me as Chef Wolf on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And uh, it's nice to hear people enjoying the markets. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's very good. All right, it's football season, Cindy. So I got to say go Ravens. Have a great Sunday. Happy Sunday.